完璧などありえないこの世界は不完全だから美しいバカバカバカ何俺は海賊王になるなんとこいしさなの力を渡した時に言ったことを覚えているかいクレ違うそこじゃない変態遅いハローとウォークのモーダンヘンタイアポッカーサーです。ヒーローショーでアニメーションは far more than tentacles and cat girls. There's also countless stories of love, loss, laughs, hope, horror, and happiness that are just dying to be found. And I, Brendan White, the Salt and Pepper Senpai, I'm here to help you find them. More than Hentai is proudly powered by our friends over at Audio Technica and Dashwater. So go upgrade your audio and hydration games today. And joining me on this episode, Is someone who's extremely familiar with being on a microphone, yet is only somehow now making her podcast debut today. She's a content creator and influencer who not only slays it in Rainbow Six Siege, but also in the fashion and makeup game. You can find her streaming on twitch.tv forward slash Ray J, which is R A E J A double Y. But be warned, if your profile picture is you posing with some form of fish, there's a chance she's coming after you. You can find her on them socials at Ray J Morgan, which is R A E J M O R. G-A-N. Ray, my dear friend, welcome to the Riverside Studio. How might you be doing? What an introduction. I've never said, I've never felt so important in my entire life. That well, made me sound set, so good. So now you have to feel that way every day. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Yeah. No, that made me sound really professional. I love it. That's all you. That's oh. all you. All I did was just take the things that you've done and you do and translated it into words today. So uh, you made it easy. I must say. <laughs> Well, yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited to come in and pop my little podcast cherry.、Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, didn't expect it to be about anime, but I am honestly pretty excited. It was really cute. I really enjoyed watching it. <laughs> the, the world works in very strange and unpredictable ways. And, and yeah, it's, it's funny because, yeah, you've been, you've been making content, you've been streaming for, for many years, and we'll talk about、uh, some of the things you do shortly. But、mm. the fact that it's been. A good long while of you on a microphone, and yet now's your first podcast experience. You know, that's a little crazy, but I'm also honored to be、uh, taking this first step with you and, and yeah, taking you to a world that's a little unfamiliar with Ray J.、Mm. So,、uh, yeah, it's going to be fun today. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know, like maybe I should just be offended that no one's invited me onto their podcast yet, you know?、Um, <laughs> Look at your game podcast host. What the hell? I know. Come on. Apparently, I'm hot commodity.、Mm. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the commodity is too hot, so it's intimidating.、Um, They're just like, she's just going to say no. She's too in demand. She's too busy. Just not going to like ask out of fear of rejection. So,、um, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've probably seen me reject a few people on the internet before and got a bit scared. Yeah. You do not hold back. You do not hold back. And, and maybe we can,、uh, we can sort of lean into that and get a bit of your origin story, your background story.、Mm. Tell the listeners you know, who you are, what you do. I know I briefly touched on a few things in the intro, but、um, yeah, you're a very talented individual. You do,、oh, do many, you. many things. And、um, you're a very busy woman. And、um, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time out today. But yeah, let's, let's, hear, the, let's hear the Ray、oh, J story. Thank you.、Um, oh, the Ray J story. Look, do you know what? The first thing. I really wish that I knew that the dude that Kim Kardashian made her sex tape with, I wish I knew his name was Ray J before I picked that. That's I、it. forgot about that.、Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And every time I do like guest on someone else's stream or do some kind of content where they haven't heard of my name, they don't know who I am. And it's the first thing, oh, the Kim K. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish I knew that. I wish I yeah. knew that. I guess it's an easy, like, it's a good talking point where, like, it's a good icebreaker where people are like, oh, Ray J, and they're like, oh, how's Kim K going? <laughs> mm. Like, it's, a, it's an easy in. Yeah, because I came up with the username simply because, um, oh, well, I mean, it's how I fell into streaming in the first place. Mm -hmm. I... I was late to the world of gaming. I grew up like playing Nintendo nonstop with my dad. So, you know, I've got the origin stories back there. Then I kind of fell more into sports. Like I was mm -hmm. playing netball three to four times a week. And just like that was how I was really filling up my time. But once my husband at the time and I decided to have kids, it all kind of changed from there. And I then was looking for something indoors to keep me occupied in the evenings when I couldn't go out. And I fell into Guild Wars 2. And Guild Wars 2 was my very first um, like RPG game jumping on. Um, and when I was making my character, I was like, oh, I don't know what, like, you know, and we just ended up coming up with, I think it was Rani J was like the character oh, name of okay. it. And then people ended up shorting it and uh, like shortening it and just calling me Ray J and whatever else. And yeah, then that became my Twitch name when people were like, oh, you've got a little bit of a, you know, well, it was probably just, you've got boobs, so you should be on Twitch. <laughs> There's far more to you than just that. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I started off on a 0.9 upload uh, when I was living above a bakery. And, yeah, then I ended up getting partnered within the year and kind of, I don't know, ADHD. So I kind of tend to focus on one thing until I mm -hmm. burn out on it and then move to the next. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that too, you know, like hyperfixation is a, is a real thing and, and I get the same with a lot of things. And, and yeah, once you feel that burn, there ain't nothing wrong with the pivot. There ain't nothing wrong with changing and finding yeah. that next obsession or that next uh, time killer or hobby or, or love interest. So mm. yeah, and respect that um, yeah, you, you were streaming on, yeah, a point nine upload. Like yeah. listeners, if you have been um and ahhing about content creation, you're worried that your internet speed is uh, not up to par. Don't worry because it can be done. You just got to get a bit creative and crafty with how you do it. But uh, mm. there's a way to make it happen. So uh, yeah, the time is now. That's it. Like admittedly it was back in 06 or 07 or something. So, you know, the market wasn't quite as saturated. So people were more likely to watch a bit of a slideshow stream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, humble roots. And yeah, like the fact that you're you're one of the the Australian sort of pioneers in a way, as far as the the Twitch streaming landscape goes, and, mm. and the partners and things like that. You're you're one of the uh, the OGs. Like yeah, there's a constant influx of new streamers and content creators coming out every five minutes but uh yeah you're one of the pillars you're one of the uh the originals yeah yeah I am it's it's funny because sometimes like when I think of that I'm like oh shit well I should be a lot more popular than I am you know or I should be you know because I I then compare myself to you know say the Lufus because I remember meeting Lufu before I even knew she was a streamer um back when I had just gotten partnered and whatever else and so it it is sometimes funny when you look around at that but yeah when I was first partnered, there was only a handful of us. There weren't there weren't that many. Um, but I mean, it's great seeing it all grow. These days, if I go to a Twitch event, I don't know anyone there, and no one knows me. Like it's all, <laughs> yeah. 
I, I reckon they would, but like circling back to the start, there's just that intimidation there where they're like, you know what, she's a bit of a big deal. We don't want to huh? get too up in her grill and upset one of the uh, the pillars or the OGs of the, the Aussie streaming community. So they just stand back. But also there's a lot of like, I don't know if saying kids is, is disrespectful or not, but there's a lot of young individuals in the stream game these days that are, that feels like they're just little babies. And Absolutely. It's always a bit of a weird thing for me existing in that ecosystem sometimes with them where I am not a, a baby. I am a, an older man. And um, yeah, it's a bit, just a bit awkward sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, I just turned 35 um, two weeks ago. Yeah, happy um, birthday. Thank you. Also, thank you for the gin. I opened it and it's delish. Um, <clears throat> but yes, I find that age is a real big factor because you do go into these things and like you're suddenly conversing with 19, 20 year olds and you're 15 years older than them. You really can't relate, you know? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, and they're like a young 19, 20 years old. It's not like, oh, they're so old and wise and learned. They're, they're babies on a microphone. And <laughs> you see that when you talk to there, there is some outliers. I don't want to blanket statement all of them but for the most part you talk to a few and you're like we have nothing in common apart from that we're both breathing oxygen and that's it also I just kind of look back and I go you know what if I had a microphone in front of my face recording everything I said when I was 19 years old I would have been cancelled so many times over (laughs) I was not a good person at 19 like just you know I just be careful right yeah I kind of look back and I go I worry when I see people so young putting themselves out there on the internet like that because I I, like, yeah, I'm a content creator so I do understand it obviously but I also know that, you know, I didn't get into it until I was into my mid-20s already, like I was already pretty a bit older. I was, I don't know, I do get worried because people these days, you know, they're quick to jump on anything that you say 10 years ago and try and cancel you over it, you know? Like, yeah, it's, it's dangerous out there and you just got to remember, listeners, words have power and mm. words and actions have consequence, whether you do it today or yeah, a decade back, if it's out on the internet, People will find it and they will hold you accountable for whatever it is you said or did. So uh, just just try and be better. You know, the one thing though, everyone says once it's on the internet, it's there forever. Where are my MySpace pictures? I deleted my MySpace account, so mine are all gone. Oh, I have tried so many times to get into them. I want to see that little time vault. I want to see those photos. Never seen them again. You need to, well, I guess Tom is no longer attached directly to MySpace. Is he? he just made his millions, got out and Tom. just living a simple life. I forgot about Tom. Yeah, Tom. And I think, I don't know if like uh, Everybody's we're on mate. some tangents here, listeners, but like <laughs> um, I think Justin Timberlake was like a part owner of MySpace. I think he bought into it for a hot minute there too. But I don't know what's happened with MySpace these days. I haven't checked that platform out in minimum 10 years. So I couldn't tell you what's happening there. There's probably all kinds of weird, crazy stuff you'd experience, but TikTok's a place to be these days, I assume. Well, that's a very dangerous tangent that you've just gotten into because (laughs) have you watched Justin Timberlake's content content again as an adult? Like have you – I somehow fell into the JT hole on TikTok where Mm. people like take all of his dances and shit that he used to be like. Everyone would be like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. He just looks like a really old white guy with no moves and they changed the music that he's dancing to and it's so fucking funny, so fucking funny. How did we let Justin Timberlake get away with not being very talented? I guess because a lot of white male men 
speaking from direct experience here too, we don't have much rhythm. So when you even have like 2% of rhythm, you can make it look good. So you see JT do these moves, you're like, God damn, that boy can dance because most of us can't. So I'm like, I tip my hat to you, Justin Timberlake and NSYNC and all these other offshoots. So uh it's yeah. very funny. I recommend anyone if you're bored needing needing a little uh, laugh, a little bit of a giggle when you're scrolling through TikTok, go down the Justin Timberlake dancing hole because it just makes you feel better about yourself, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but surprisingly, he's not a bad actor, I've got to say. Like oh, He's yeah. had a bit of a career pivot and he's in some films and stuff these days. I'm like, you yeah. know what? you're not bad on screen. You're not the worst actor right now. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and it, like, I mean, the dude can still sing. You know, I might be sitting here ripping him a new one, but it's just, you know. Dude's still got talent. He's still yeah. talented, just not when it comes to dancing. <laughs> That's it. And gorgeous family like him and Jessica Biel just making beautiful kids. Just like, oh, get out of here. Babe. This isn't fair. Mm. Not fair. Not fair. But it is fair that you're here and I'm very thankful for uh, you taking the, the podcast path with me and, uh, yeah, talking all things anime but talking all things life right now. Like, yeah, you've mm. done you've done a lot. Like you've travelled the world in partnership with Ubisoft, uh, tying into your, your Rainbow Six Siege days. Mm. You've travelled around the country for various events. It's uh, It's been a hell of a journey. Yeah, I would definitely say that Ubisoft sending me out over to Montreal to visit their um, studio there definitely the highlight and you know it was when I left like after that trip was when I left full-time streaming as well so it was a really beautiful way to close everything out and close that chapter of my life um, with my first international trip because most of my other ones were all, well, all of my other ones were just like little interstate ones here and there but that was just that was amazing and I've got to say I think the highlight of that trip was when we we're at Ubisoft I don't know if anyone any of your listeners are big uh, Rainbow Six players, but the actual stairwells in Rainbow Six and everything like that have been mapped off the exact, that building in Montreal. So I literally got to walk those staircases that like, that, that were mapped out that for the game. you've lived in the game. Yeah. And then they took us into this really cute little studio where they do all of the different sounds. And so this um, person was showing us you know, for different footsteps. So they've got all of these different um, boots that they would put on. They then have like, you know, like big sandbags and they would be dropping it. And like, it just, it was so interesting seeing all of that work that really goes on behind the scenes. And like, you know, even down to depending on which operator they were recording at the time, they would have different uniforms that they would need to put on to make sure that when the arms brush are brushing past that it's the accurate noise if that makes sense that. yeah the detail it's it was um stuff that I never even considered and yeah stuff that you go oh yeah I guess that really does add things into the mix like you know it really does it really does add to the game those kind of details and it's a bit of a throwback because we're in such a digital age these days where everything's done through a computer, it's done through, you know, heaven forbid, AI these days or through software that, that engineers are playing with. So knowing that they've almost gone back to that practical effects where you said that just the way that the fabric is making a noise is they're running and it differentiates between the operators and the different boots mm-hmm. instead of just like running a sample through a piece of software. They're like, you know what, we're going to do this in real life to get that real true experience. So it's kind of cool to see that uh, that's still a thing. Yeah, absolutely. It was something that I I never even considered that they would have this little sound studio for it because I thought the same thing, that everything would just be added like, you know, they'd source the sounds and they'd find something that works. But no, they actually like 
create and everything down to the footsteps down to the material that they're walking on they make sure that they do yeah it's um it was a lot more effort than I had expected for such a <laughs> minimal aspect of the game. You know what I mean? Like, and it really did bring a brand new appreciation into just game development and the effort, the time, and like the real blood, sweat, and tears that they really do put into every aspect of it, you know? So I thought that was really cool. And that was definitely my highlight as a um, full-time streamer. And I thought it was a really beautiful way to kind of close that chapter. So yeah, I was stoked with that. It was really good. And Montreal is such a beautiful part of the world. Hopefully you got to try some poutine while you were there, the old uh, chips, cheese curd and gravy, because Mm -hmm. uh, it is one of the best things to eat in the world. And yeah, Montreal is a beautiful place. I lived there for a little while about a decade or so ago and it's stunning yeah yeah love it love Montreal Mm, it was beautiful it was so um it was funny because the streets and everything like there it's all you feel like you're in a European city like it's cobblestones it's you do not feel like you're in Canada and obviously you know it is like the French Canadians and French is actually the local language there and like all of their signages and everything is all in French so you really do get this funny like when you try and remind yourself bitch you're you're not you're not in France you're in Canada you know because every now and then you'd be there like oh where's where's the Eiffel Tower like yeah it really does feel like a little European town yeah it's so beautiful Mm. and yeah definitely a place that People need to add to their uh, their future global itineraries because, yeah, mm. Canada's great and Montreal especially is one of the, the jewels of that uh, beautiful country. But um, speaking of beautiful things, we're here obviously on an anime podcast, so yes. I guess it makes sense to talk about the beautifulness and the craziness and the unpredictability that is this fantastic medium. And yes. maybe we can start with your origin story because, yeah, anime isn't, I guess we could say it's not part of your regular viewing rotation. No. You typically you lean towards your love you know, true crime and horror and mm. a bit of the morbid and the macabre and all sort of the, the stuff that can be a little bit skin crawling or uncomfortable. You, you enjoy yeah. the scary stuff. I do. Anime has some scary stuff, but the one we're talking about today, definitely not in that realm. But yeah, what, what's your history with anime? Like, have you got a, have you got a story you can share as far Ooh. as what you've watched, what you've done in this, this medium, what you know about it? Like, yeah, what's a, what's the Ray J anime story? So, yeah, my anime experience is pretty limited. As a kid, you know, I was obsessed with Sailor Moon, watching mm-hmm. it on, you know, Saturday, Sunday mornings. Um, you know, I was really into Pokemon and Pokemon trading cards. Like my mum would take me to the markets and stuff like that to go in with my folder of Pokemon cards to try and trade. Hell so yeah. like I had little tiny aspects of those very popular ones um, that I kind of grew up with. And then really I didn't watch any anime at all you know um having kids has reintroduced anime into my life so you know starting with watching like a lot of studio ghibli films they're really really beautiful um and then my kids have gotten older so like they loved pokemon so we've watched pretty much every season of pokemon like um then from there they kind of went into Dragon Ball Z so of course watched a little bit of that and now they're just flipping obsessed with One Piece so yeah as I mentioned to you earlier before we were recording the kids are up to like 
200, episode 200 or something. So I watch it a little bit with them, but it's kind of, for me, it's really just on in the background while I'm like sure, cooking sure. or doing chores or something. So I pay a little bit of attention and there are some funny moments where I'm like, oh yeah, that's really good. But like, <laughs> yeah, I don't sit down and give it my 100%, definitely not. No, that's fair enough. Like um, anyone that's probably tuned into this podcast once or twice knows that my opinions on One Piece aren't as high as some of the others out there. Like I think <laughs> it's fine, but I think anytime you're doing a series that's running now for nearly 1,100 episodes, you're going to get a bit of bloat and a lot of uh, time wasting going on there where I like these sort of more smaller focused storytelling experiences where mm. they can smash out a season in 12 episodes and you get a nice complete story with some highs and some lows and, and whatever emotional payoffs and yeah so one piece is fine yeah dragon balls same sort of vein those those shonen that just go forever where you've yeah. got your young protagonist rising up to be the very best and and you know the world loves that stuff and that's yeah. awesome but there's so many other cool things out there and one thing i'm excited to sort of try and introduce you to over the coming months is some of the more darker anime out there because there is yes. some skin crawling nightmare fuely stuff out there in that like horror thriller science fiction vein that is really great and really unsettling and, and knowing that you enjoy watching some of that in like a film or a tv live action mm. sort of vibe i reckon there's a few other little gems that uh you might watch and be like mm. Well, I remember watching, I think it was a movie that was based off an anime, but they did it so horribly. Did you ever see the Death Note? And it was just like, mm, and it was the worst movie I've ever seen. No, it was so bad. And I was like, if this is what, like, if this is based off anime, maybe that's not my thing. (laughs) But I have heard from everyone that it was like a shit adaptation and like yeah <laughs> we, we don't get many good live action uh western adaptations of anime the eastern stuff that some of the the asian cultures when they're translating these anime to live action usually pretty good but when the americans get a hold of it it just <laughs> usually turns to custard so like the death note anime and the manga great live action not so great try and mm. avoid that if you can but there's some good stuff out there that's that's really cool and unique and the way that this genre or this universe of anime can tell stories is very uh, unlike what you get in live action. I think that's my favorite thing with, with anime. There's a lot of, a lot of things where you go, man, this just wouldn't translate through Hollywood the same way. And Mm. so the way that these, these people in Japan can just write and record and frame stories and emotional moments just, just hits different for me. So uh, it's a good time, Ray. It's a good time. It's a good time. I've got to, I've got to give it a bit more of a, a bit more of a crack. I think that as well, because having kids and always having like different animes on the TV while the kids mm-hmm. are home, it's almost like then as soon as they're not and I'm picking something for me, I'm like, why would I watch cartoons? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I've, I've sort of fallen into an opposite of that lately where I'm just watching so much anime, then these live action things come out and I'm like, why would I watch that when I can just go watch more anime? So I'm trying yeah. to sort of do the inverse of what you're doing at the moment where I'm like, oh, there's so many cool movies or, or TV series that are coming out that are live action that I've neglected now because I just want to watch all this uh, this anime. But it's it's first world problems. <laughs> Very much so. And just hyperfixations as well, you know. It's mm-hmm. like the moment you're hyperfixated on anime, but then like who knows? 
Exactly. Yeah. The world is our oyster, as they like to say. But yeah, listeners, if this is your first time stopping on Buy More Than Hentai, the way this works is we're going to be doing a singular deep dive on an anime uh, going front to back on the first episode of that anime only. Uh, There will be full spoilers for that first episode, but we're not going to go beyond that and ruin major twists and turns and plot points throughout the entirety of the season. Uh, What we've done here is I typically try and recommend an anime to my guests or co-hosts that they haven't seen based off what I understand their potential, you know, viewing habits and pleasures are to try and find maybe their, their new favorite thing, their new guilty pleasure. And yeah, we unpack this thing front to back, talk about the good, the bad and everything else in between and, and see if I uh, nail the recommendation and find out if they're going to keep watching. But um, yeah, the title and focus for this episode is a little ditty called Comey Can't Communicate. And it's an award-winning slice of life manga series written and illustrated by Tomohito Oda. It has been serialized in Shogakakun's weekly Shonen Sunday since May of 2016. As of July 2023, the manga has over 12.7 million copies in circulation. So it's an extremely, extremely popular manga. An eight-episode live-action television drama adaptation was broadcast from September to November of 2021 with a 12-episode anime series produced by OLM also airing on Netflix from October of the same year, with the second 12-episode season airing from April to June in 2022. Come You Can't Communicate currently holds a score of 7.89 on my anime list, and that is based off over 450,000 unique user reviews, and the story is as follows. Come You Can't Communicate follows Hirohito Tadano, an ordinary boy trying to fit in and avoid trouble in high school. However, his plan goes awry when he ends up sitting next to Shoku Komi, the school's popular but socially anxious Madonna. Despite her graceful appearance, Komi struggles with human interactions and communication. Through a series of events, Tadano becomes the first person to understand her challenges and decides to help Komi in her goal of making 100 friends in high school. So, Ray, we are going to be talking about the first episode, which is called It's Just I Wish I Could Speak. Maybe we can start with like our general general feeling like our general takeaways of this episode you know what we maybe loved uh what we hated what's what's our sort of elevator pitch takeaways as far as what did you think of this first episode and then we can maybe dive deeper into specifics yeah look <clears throat> sorry scratchy throat look i actually thought um it was so cute i feel like it's very wholesome. It's very froth and bubbles on the top, but it's quite interesting because I do think that they touch on some pretty underlying themes. And I don't know if I am overthinking it, if I'm sitting there and overanalyzing it going, oh, and maybe people will be like, Ray, it's not that deep. But like, for example, Comey has come in. She's so beautiful. No one, no one can fault her. No one thinks she can do anything wrong. And we very quickly find out that um, Todano is the first person who has re- realised that she can't speak. And to me, it kind of touches on, and it just shows me, like, especially a lot of the time in, like, older traditional Japanese culture, women are meant to be pretty objects that are seen and not heard. And so then she is seen as this epitome of the woman, so beautiful, so wonderful, everybody loves her. And I can't help but wonder if it's because she's seen and not heard, you know? And so I thought that was actually really quite interesting. But, again, you feel free to be like, right, it's not that deep. <laughs> no, I'm... I love that. And and I completely agree. Like I've never really taken a step back and looked at it as a broader lens and looked at it from a, a, a Japanese culture perspective. Like you bang on as far as the, 
these women are typically seen just as like an eyepiece is certainly selling it well short, but yeah, they're just seen as this pillar of beauty and mm. yeah, they just are looked at to be admired and you don't really hear from them. So I, that's a really good social commentary on, on that sort of Japanese culture. But now I feel this anime, even though it is lighthearted and cutesy and funny and silly, there is a lot of depth to it because the the themes that they explore, not only in this first episode, which we only sort of get a little sprinkling of, but over the following, uh, you know, two seasons worth, and it's it's still going like the, the manga, I think is up to maybe 400 or so episodes, you could say worth of manga. So this is a long form storytell that I hope we get to see translated onto screen. But yeah, there's there's some depth here and there's some realness to it. Like, yeah, it is at its core, high school romance, high school comedy, lightheartedness. So there's some things you can relate to, but then you start to see it peel back these layers where, yeah, this girl, Komi, is just this, you know, this goddess of high school. Like, yeah, she's the most beautiful thing people have ever seen. She's just defies logic. Everyone, like she walks into a room and everyone immediately stops and just is obsessed with her. And, and you know, that'd be a lot for her to carry. But then you see beneath this beauty, she's so scared and so stressed all the time and she also you see and we'll talk about it more in detail later but you can see also like internally how little she sees of herself like she doesn't value herself yeah. even though everyone sees her as this goddess on a, on a podium she sees herself like almost down in the mud because she can't have these interactions so I like that there's this contrast as far as everyone sees her as as the greatest thing in the universe and she sees herself almost as nothing and then mm. see how they explore that and I think also one of the biggest things with this episode and this this season as a whole or this franchise as a whole is the respect they show towards social anxiety and social phobia yes. and they they use uh voiceover work really really cleverly and in the in the English cast Amber Mays the narrator and just they give these little these little factoids these bits of information as far as people dealing with social phobia and constantly reemphasizing like you start thinking, man, I've got people in my life like this. Maybe I need to be better or I need to maybe try and rewire my brain to try and help them more. So I like that it's not just fun. It makes you think and feel and analyze what else is going on. Be like, maybe I need to need to improve in, in other ways to make things better for people in my world too. So it's I love that part of this show. Absolutely. They're always showing that contrast of like what is happening happening internally in someone's brain versus how it's being interpreted outside. And it's also they do such a great job of highlighting like why communication is so important and that without it, what can be happening in other people's heads. Like, you know, when people are there like, Comey hates me, Comey hates me, I'm not wanting to be her friend. But then as soon as um, Todano kind of like bridges that gap and is like, oh, she actually really struggles to communicate – all of a sudden, oh, we're best friends. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you don't hate me. You're just nervous. Oh, I get it. And I feel like that is potentially part of why you picked this anime for me to watch as well because I am someone who has anxiety. I've been medicated for anxiety for seven or eight years now and being a content creator going into uh, a lot of uh, cons and things like that sometimes I do get really overwhelmed and I kind of shut down and I know that sometimes I can be seen as a bit abrasive or like, oh, Ray didn't talk to me. She mustn't like me. Whereas for me, it's just because I'm anxious as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's certainly synergies with with you and Comey in all the right ways. Like I, I don't mean any any disrespect <laughs> in that regard. Like I can see a lot of those same 
good qualities and traits in both of you. And, and yeah, like I was trying to find something as far as that recommendation that I think would be not only enjoyable, but relatable and real. Like I could have given you some crazy whimsical superhero lace thing. It's like, that's fine. There's a million of those, but this anime is pretty unique as far as the content mm. that it shows and also how it shows like decides to be real with things. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm hoping she'll appreciate this and it'll, it'll resonate because yeah, that content creation space can be a lot of white noise and it can be intimidating and stressful and daunting and, and anxiety laden because I think a lot of us are in that space all feeling those same things, but because we don't know how to communicate those things, we all just sort of stand there static and and don't mm. speak or, or take that step. So um, yeah, I, I feel that it's uh, it's relevant, but it's also unique and it's just enjoyable and wholesome. And like you said, you used the word bubbly earlier and I'm like, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. It's definitely bubbly. It is. It's like if you if you don't want to take anything too seriously, if you want something just cute and easy to watch, it can be that for you. But it can also speak to you in on deeper levels if you read into it, you know, if you take the time to kind of process what's happened. Because, like, it is kind of wild. It's always going to be a little bit quirky. I guess that's probably the anime genre in Pretty itself. Much, yeah. <laughs> but, like, so I found it really interesting where sometimes it would actually, I'd have to just pause it and stop and process what just happened on the screen for a second and be like, oh, okay, all right, yeah. It's just good storytelling. It is wholesome it's relatable, it's believable as well. And and yeah, it does get a little quirky and zany and it can be a lot to process because yeah, these episodes are, you know, 23 minutes front to back and that includes your open and your ending. So there's a lot of storytelling they try and fit in to these episodes. So it is very much rapid fire at times where there's like scene to scene, moment to moment, mm. you're like, whoa, whoa, hang on, I got to pause this to, like you said, reflect and assess what I've just watched or heard just to make sure it fully lands. Yeah, it took me a little while to kind of figure out whether or not some of these things that were being said were just happening like in Totono's head. Like, because yeah, you'll see, you know, he'll come in, um, he'll have a conversation with someone, and then he'll just have a really, really negative experience. But like the way that they paint, I'm like, hang on, is that like supposed to be his anxiety talking? Or is did that person actually just say that, you know? So it did take me a little while to kind of get the hang of it. And then I realized, no, all of these characters are just really, really zany and out there. I actually think that they did such a good way of opening up this whole series um, when they said that every single person at that school, like at towards the end of episode yeah, one, yeah. the narrator comes in and, and just says, you know, it's actually going to be pretty hard to find 100 friends even for the most popular beautiful goddess in school because every single, every single student has had to be interviewed there and they only accept the most eccentric, unique, oddballs. So I feel like that just really opens up like limitless storylines. Like they can take everything in the most bizarre, strange direction and they've already explained why that's normal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it feels like it opens up limitless possibilities for just zany, quirky, 
episodes all based around a different character each time. I think that's pretty cool and very clever. They managed to do a lot of world building in this first episode where you understand the main characters. You can tell that Komi and Tadano are the, the two focal points of, of this series. You get an understanding of your yeah, Etan High School which is all about students' character. And, and like you said, Ray, it's filled with eccentrics, weirdos, rebels, and outsiders. So you go, man, where, where is this story going to take us? Who are we going to meet along the way and on this quest to 100 friends? Like there could be potentially 100 different unique, crazy, zany, unpredictable stories to come our way. So mm. I like that the, the table has been set really early. You, you understand the stakes. You understand these two leads to a degree and, and you know they, they flesh them out more over these two seasons and these 20 oddish episodes that are available now and yeah I think there's just so much more to come and so much more to be excited about. Yeah they set that up really really well I think because it's yeah it means that it's not going to be quite so short because you know when you're watching something and you go that would never happen you know whereas they've already answered that straight away in the very first episode like everyone here it, is weird as fuck. So be prepared for a journey. That's it. You know, expect the unexpected. Yeah. yeah. So I think that they did that very cleverly. I um, and I mean, I've only watched the first four episodes, mm-hmm. so I did go further than episode one. Totally fine. And. Yeah, and I've actually watched them a couple of times because then my kids saw it and they got into it. So, yeah, I would definitely say you've succeeded in turning us into, like, we're going to be watching at least season one. We're going to stick it out. We're going to see where it goes. I'm, yeah, some of the characters already are interesting, but I obviously don't want to do spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, because they're not in episode one. I don't want to go too deep into that but some of the characters we've we've encountered already just in the first four episodes I'm like wow wow okay yeah and it's funny too I find myself watching this or or watching just anything I like when you can then start to attach these characters like I went to school with that person or I'm friends with them now and you're like yeah that's totally like fake name that that guy or girl's totally John or Jane Smith that I know like so it's kind of nice when you can have that personal attachment to these these types of shows and, and things you're watching as well but yeah the episode we get it we get a cold open right from the rip and it is beautiful like the way this is animated olm crush it and you mentioned pokemon like they're the primary animation studio that do the majority of pokemon so mm-hmm. they're, they're they're well they're well equipped in the anime game and yeah we get this beautiful sort of spring morning in in japan a lot of focus on just this vibrant sunfield area. Cherry blossoms are blooming. Mm. And it's funny it's because so pretty. it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And you get a lot of uh, references and imagery with cherry blossoms and the petals throughout this episode and other episodes. And I'm all for it. Cherry blossoms, like obsessed, love it. Japan culture, love and it. the cute little kitties that come into yeah. it. Like, and it opens up with a cute little cat and then that kind of repeats throughout the whole thing. Like... It's very beautiful. It's so pretty to watch. Yeah, we get in this first episode a lot of imagery and that table setting right from the get-go because you see this young little girl, nameless girl, not a main character, just in this scene walking Mm. hand-in-hand with her mum and she says to her mum, when I'm in first grade, I hope to, I can make a hundred friends. And you're like, okay, there's there's like Comey's mission statement there from just this unrelated little child walking to preschool or whatever else. And yeah, then we see... This, this black cat, which becomes 
a bit of a constant throughout this series and mm. it's almost like Comey's spirit animal in a way like you know she's got some cat-like features and it's super cute when you see the little cat ears pop up when she emotes in certain yes, ways and when stuff. she emotes oh and like I do like that they've brought that in with a couple of different characters as well. Like at one point someone gets a dog tail, um, which my kids pointed out to me. I actually <laughs> missed that part. And then like, but also the cat, the art, it really brought nostalgic vibes of Sailor Moon to hey, me, this yeah, opener. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, a much more, you know, modernised, more beautiful kind of animation experience but it did bring up the nostalgia like seeing all of those blossoms the and like the cat looks just like Luna except mm. without the little thing like it was <laughs> yeah it, when I was first watching that opener I was like oh this makes me think of Sailor Moon I love it <laughs> it's it's super sweet and yeah we we get this moment where Comey and this cat cross paths they pause and look at each other and you can see they're having this like moment of acknowledgement and then you can see uh the, the way a lot of these shots are framed where the it's framed slightly off center like you don't get a full facial shot of Comey or Tardano you can often see like just the the little reactions mm. of like the mouth um down you don't see a lot of eyes or when you do it's just focused on the eyes so you can sort of really get an understanding of what they're feeling and in this moment she's looking at this cat and you can see she pauses because she's just about to go into, into school for the first time takes a big breath and you can see she sort of clenches her fist to be like, you know, I got this, I can do this. And then she makes this cutest little sound, like a little, oh. like a little encouragement sound. And you're like, yeah, straight away you're rooting for this girl because you're like, you can do it. Like going into new places or starting new things is scary as shit. So I can empathize 1 million percent with, with what she's feeling here. And then you get this contrast where you go from Comey, who's nervous and meek, but just this, powerhouse where you can already see she's walking down the street and everyone's like oh who is who is this beauty who is this angel on earth right now yeah she draws attention and draws the eye no matter where she goes which would be tough it'd be tough like i hate Mm. attention and the thought of walking everywhere and everybody stopping what they're doing and and looking or trying to talk with me is terrifying Absolutely. Do not perceive me. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, please. Leave me alone. Mm. But then we get the contrast where we get some voiceover first from the primary narrator done by Amber May in the English dub. And then we get Tardino uh, doing his like his little mission statement as far as what his goals are. And he's like, you know what? My name's Tardino. I'm great at reading the room. I just want to lead a peaceful high school life. I want to stay in my lane. I want to live inconspicuously. And that's my shortcut to happiness. So he's sort of sitting there going, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. I'm going to keep it low key. Just wants to blend in. Yeah, just just want to be part of the numbers. So there's this contrast already where Comey never blends in and Tardino is almost like just one of the background ancillary characters no matter where he goes. So you can sort of see Mm. the different social statuses within the first two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, they do make that really, really clear. Um, And then it's so funny how you go from that to him explaining how he just wants to live a peaceful high school existence and the only way to do that is by not being unique, just blend in, which then, side note, makes me wonder how did he get into this school if it's for all of the oddballs, Mm. you know? I wonder if maybe like his blandness was his uniqueness. Maybe that's why he stood apart from all the other interviewees that were quirky and loud and crazy where he comes in and he's just like sitting straight and narrow and calm. So he would have stood out from all the other oddballs was my take. 
Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does make sense. Absolutely. I didn't think of it that way. But I did. I thought that was very, very funny how they've gone straight from that. And then as soon as he sits down, boom, he's suddenly next to Comey. And so then everyone is instantly jealous, instant target on their back. How dare you be the one to sit next to our queen, you know? So it's like he's gone from just saying, I just want to skate through. I don't want to be noticed. I just went to an instant kind of target on his back. Yeah, poor little mate. Like, yeah, he's just trying to not ruffle any feathers. He just wants to exist and survive and just maintain that status quo. And, yeah, sadly, the the school day starts off directly opposite because, yeah, they get to their little little shoe locker area and he, he wishes her a good morning and you get this little inner monologue where he's realizing how pretty she is and stuff. Yeah. And in his eyes, he then cops a menacing stare from Comey, like, how dare you talk to me, worm? But we know that it's the inverse where she's freaked out because she doesn't know how to say good morning back. And she's like, holy shit, what do I do? And you start to see this constant flight mechanic she's got where in these moments where she's like, I don't know what to do. I can't say anything. She just like Looney Tunes style cloud of smoke dust in the air because she flees and just runs away. And then he's like, the hell just happened i've got no idea what happened here and then he's left feeling like he's not good enough for her and like she must hate him oh you know i'm just pathetic why would i even say anything to her whereas she's just freaking out yeah yeah and so it's kind of cool that you see straight away where he's like i'm great at reading the room and straight away he's misread this situation straight off the rip where Mm -hmm. if he can't read the room and can't read comey no one can and so it really explains why everyone just um, has these misconceptions about her because if he's the master of room reading and he can't tell that she was panicked and anxious in that moment, who else out there is going to? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, mm, but we get that I cute moment. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, he's, he, they sort of walks to class. And he's like, well, yeah, she's gorgeous. I'm never going to deal with her again. I'm just an average Joe. And, yeah, then he ends up getting stuck beside her. The entire classroom now hates him because it's like, how dare you Yeah, sit beside our queen? She's mine. I love her. She's my best friend. You don't deserve to be in the air she breathes type of thing. And so, yeah, poor little Tardino was just against it right from the get-go. And you can see these little monologues starting to play out a little bit more where he's like, oh, man, she smells like heaven. She's the prettiest and most popular girl in school on the first day of class. Like the bar is set very high. And, yeah, um, yeah, Tardino's high school life is uh, doomed right from the start, which is sort of sad to think about. Sad, but also like good, you know, no, sitting through and blending into the crowd is not the way to get through yeah. high school, you know, be, be comfortable being a weirdo. 100%. It's good. Yeah. Embrace, embrace your quirks and, and yeah, we'll never mm. yuck anybody's yums here. So you, you do you, mm. you feel comfortable in your own skin. It's easier said than done, but you don't hold back. And yeah, yeah we, we get a couple little classroom inter- introductions. We only get introduced indirectly to one of the other supporting characters Agari and she stands up she's clearly very nervous as well because these moments I remember these moments in class when you first day of school you don't know anybody you'd stand up and tell the class about yourself like it is it's a scary scary 30 seconds that feels like an eternity and so she freezes up doesn't really know sort of what to say spurts some stuff out nervously sits down I'm just so grateful that none of my teachers ever (laughs) made me do that. I've never had that classroom experience, but I've seen it play out so many times and I'm just very grateful that none of my teachers ever made us do that. Thank you. It's it's a lot. Like public speaking is tough. 
no matter who you are, mm. no matter the age you are, no matter where you're speaking in front of two people or 2000, like it is, it's scary. So I, I feel what these kids were going through. And then, yeah, then it's Comey's turn to stand up and introduce herself, stands up confidently, the class is in awe of her, but she freezes up, doesn't say a word, beeline straight to the front of the class and like, like, a, like a ninja with surgical precision, just with a, with a piece of chalk, writes a name on the chalkboard and the class goes wild. They're like, yeah, Comey, you're the best, woo! Because she's just this chalkboard assassin. Mm, yeah, it's so interesting seeing how much everyone just loves everything about her and she hasn't spoken a single word. But again, I just, part of me does wonder, are they just trying to highlight the fact that like there are some people who the only good thing about a woman is their appearance and if you've got a beautiful appearance, then that's all that matters. And yeah, I feel like it's definitely prominent there yeah there's definitely social commentary about vanity and and looks being more important to others as opposed to other people that might want to know them beyond the looks Mm. and this mystery and this intrigue and and they slowly unpack that in this episode and and future episodes but um yeah so she goes up there chalkboard writes a name i I love the the japanese text like it's just so cool and unique and distinctive and yeah so she goes up there shares her name shokokomi everyone goes mild and then it's tardino's chance to uh maybe try and try and win some love back in the room and he gets up and he's like my special skill is that i can read the room Aww. it falls flat people in the class are like clearly that skill's broken mate like you've killed the mood i felt so much secondhand cringe for him in that <laughs> moment my heart just i could feel that anxiety in my tummy and I'm like oh that didn't land I'm sorry buddy sorry buddy and you can tell he's probably rehearsed that line for months like leading up to this moment where he's like I'm gonna say this people are gonna laugh I'm gonna become friends with everybody confident in his delivery and yeah sadly it uh sinks like a stone and so yeah he was already the the social pariah in this room because he was fortunate enough to sit next to Comey and now he he drops that bomb and people are despising him even more they're sitting back down it's sort of jumped forward in the day working through some stuff in class you can see Tardino is starting to get a little infatuated with just how pretty Comey is and Mm. he's sort of daydreaming about her a little bit she knocks her razor over during class he he leans down picks it up politely puts it back on the desk and then you see also the hatred in the classroom again because there's because he's been able to interact yeah so yeah he gets a bit of an icebreak where he's like here comey you drop this random ninja classmate behind him throws a protractor like a shuriken nearly trying to kill tardino because he's like god damn you like she's mine i was gonna do that how dare you steal this moment and you're just like okay so here's some of the crazy whimsical quirky classmates we're going to start to learn more about in, in this I love season. the little moments with the ninja like making it just random appearances we I haven't watched far enough to really um then be introduced to that character but they are in a couple of little friendship groups that we visit mm-hmm. a bit later um and yeah it's it hasn't been ex- the ninja hasn't been explained yet but I've been enjoying seeing little ninja moments <laughs> yeah and at first like because we hadn't had the the narrator part about how this school's full of unique personalities you just sit there and go why the what hell the is fuck? a ninja here like yeah! okay I'm just gonna roll with this but okay doesn't make sense now hopefully makes sense later 
And then it sort of flashes forward to the back end of class again. And they're sort of got a group up to do some group work together. The crowd goes wild. Everyone just wants to be in, in a group with Comey. They all rush and Tardino gets like swatted out of the way. Pretty sure he gets knocked out or concussed because they smash him out of the way. Cause like, get out of here, peasant. We want to want to be around Comey. And so he gets concussed, but then he comes to a little bit later and it's only him and Comey now in the, in the classroom. And he sort of, you can sort of get the, the first person eye-opening moment where most of the screen's black mm. and he can hear very, very faintly this like soft voice questioning, like, why, why can't I, why can't I speak in front of anybody? And he's thinking, what's happening? And then, then he realizes, and I guess the viewer realized like, oh, Comey, Comey can speak. And she's sort of giving herself this little internal pep talk as to why, mm. why she is the way she is. And you're like, oh, is this, this the icebreak moment? Is this what's going to happen here with these two? yeah that's it you hear you see her and then she's like she's talking to her little cat doll so again there we have that um that's probably the is that the first time we see the cat then come in after that like she's sorry what are words my brain (laughs) good grief I swear one of those was a full sentence in my brain. So the introduction where she comes along across the, the cat at the school, we see that and then now this is the, that first time where yeah. she's then yep. pulled out a little cat doll that she has as well and so she's talking to her little doll saying like, why can't I talk? I really, really wish that I could. Um, but, yeah, and then and then she realises that uh, Totono has come too and whoosh, yeah, we get that that second flea moment where, yeah, sort of smoke bomb. Comey's pacing straight towards the door, but Tardino realizes what's happening and he quickly assesses the scene. And I, I guess that ability that he talked about that he allegedly had has has turned on now and he gets it. Mm. And in a last ditch effort to sort of stop her from running away, he goes, Hey, I feel that you're not great to talk. You're like, you're not great at talking with people. Like, yeah. are you okay? And it, and it stops her dead in her tracks right at the, the door of the classroom. And you can see she's frozen in this moment. She's trembling with fear. And I had a bit of a chuckle where we get the narrator cut in and she's like, hey, Tardino's levels up his understanding ability by three points. Yes. I'm like, yes. Okay. There's, there's a moment here. They've connected. They've bonded. Where's this going to go? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I love those little narrator moments where they do little things like that. They kind of gamify it and like, yeah, they help you to understand in case anyone who, I feel like part of the reason why they've done that with the narrator kind of explaining things is because this is very much a show about people who have these kind of social um, struggles. So part of me wonders, have they put that in for people who then miss social cues? So then, so that people, uh, you know, they're bridging that understanding, knowing that they're bringing in an audience that might have these kind of struggles. So I thought that was really cute. I loved how they kind of, you know, they'd point out the obvious, but in a really fun way and real gamifying it with the, yeah, level up three points. You know, I thought that was really cool. I I think you nailed it where this narrator is used as a bit of a a plot device here where, yeah, we are maybe where some of the viewers out there might miss certain context or certain meanings and and they explain it in a way where you go, oh, I get that now. Oh, I didn't see that or I didn't understand that. They bridge the gap without making it obvious that she's trying to explain what's happened. So I think that that was, yeah, I thought that was really clever. 
and it's done well. Like it's not done as in like, hey, dummy, this is the context. Exactly. You, you missed it. You're an idiot. It's done in a, in a really easy, organic way that keeps the story flowing and adds just a little bit more weight to certain scenes or certain interactions. Like, okay, I get it now. That resonates even more or that hits even harder. And yeah, yeah, we, there's this cute little throwaway moment where she she heads towards the chalkboard again and there's there's a note on the chalkboard that like in big bold letters where it's like, I love Comey, don't erase this. And I wonder like, yep. it's probably just, that's just the entire class's mission statement right there. It's, it's not just one particular character, but we see again, those little cat-like mentalities start to creep in with Comey, whether it be the big mm-hmm. ears or the big eyes and the sort of sheepy skittishness that she has. And she starts writing some questions, some preliminary questions on the chalkboard and, and Tardano is sort of responding to those, verbally answering them with, with words and she's writing them on the board. So they're starting to have a conversation. But then Tardano on the inverse there, he panics because he's like, oh, shit, I've run out of things to say. Like he's he's gotten through the stereotypical hey, nice day, da-da-da. And then you're like, uh-oh, where do I go with this conversation? He then attempts to flee, but then Comey in this really cute, like powerful little moment reaches out and grabs his blazer and stops him from running away because she's like, no, you've just, you've pulled me back in and we're we're bonding now. I'm not letting yeah. you do what I couldn't. So it's it's really nice to see the power, I wouldn't say power struggle, but just seeing them both step out of their comfort zones in those moments. It is. It's really beautiful because you can see that it's like all she wants is to connect with someone and he doesn't realise that he's the only person who she's been able to connect to and doesn't really understand, no, she wants this, she wants this interaction and he's like, I don't want to bother you. I don't, I've run out of things to say, fuck, you know. So, and and honestly, I hate small talk for that exact same reason. I'm like, shit, what if I run out of things to say? What am I going to do? You know, so like I can absolutely relate to that. It's part of where my social anxiety comes in is shit, where do you go once you run out of the obvious things? Yeah, and and it's a universal feeling. Like no matter if you're Tony Robbins who publicly speaks in front of gajillions of people every day or you or I or or Comey or Tardano here, like – Mm. my mindset I'm always like be respectful of people's time in everything and in these conversations yeah you don't want to like just drown them in small talk with no real emotional connection so I've like when Tardano had that moment I'm like fuck man I've been there dude like I feel you I've wanted to run away like you just attempted to as well sadly uh you know no modern beauty grabbed my blazer and stopped me from running I probably just ran away (laughs) and just ran home but um yeah so she pulls him back and she starts writing down her feelings and her thoughts and that one of the main ones is like you know she didn't get a chance to eat lunch today because she was too scared of going to the cafeteria and asking to get food or Mm. asking for someone to sit with her so straight away your heart's just bleeding and breaking for this poor girl and she's writing about I really want to talk to people but when I'm in front of people I freeze and I'm sure I look scary and all that but I really just want to talk to them and whenever I approach someone they get nervous or faint which made me cackle because I'm like yeah because you're just so overwhelmed by this goddess in front of you that's like oh like I don't know what to do but then you see this other contrast where yeah the the nervousness and the fainting she doesn't see that as in because she's so beautiful or or so mysterious or in cap or captivating mm. she sees that as a negative because she's like I don't blame them 
who would want to talk to someone like me? And you just she go, thinks oh my it's gosh. because she's making them feel really awkward and that she's just not this. Yeah, she, she doesn't realize that it's because they're nervous to speak to her too. Yeah, so it's a sweet moment and you see this light bulb almost appear above Tardino's head then when he realizes that everybody misunderstands her. Everyone takes these sinister looks and this silence as rudeness and arrogance and almost that she probably like they assume she probably thinks that she's better than everybody but it's mm. the opposite where she thinks she's better than nobody and she's not worth people's time and she's got really low self-esteem and you're just like man like i just want to take these so i just want to cut all these two characters in some i'm like it's gonna be okay people it's care such a all is gonna be good opening because it really does make you then instantly connect on that level with them and you understand that all it is is they have these really beautiful hearts and all they want to do is connect with people and I think that they really they did really well in making you feel that and instantly become emotionally connected to them and instantly want to be on their side and just you know you you then yeah you're like I just wish they understood (laughs) I know like your your heart your heart goes out for these two immediately and and I like Mm. that within 10-15 minutes worth of storytelling I'm like I'm invested I love these two characters whatever they want to do in life I just want to see them succeed because I'm rooting for them for you know they're two different reasons where Tardino just wants to survive high school and not rock the boat and Comey just wants to be seen, I guess, and, and uh, have friends. And you're just like, man, like yeah. it's just such simple, simple hopes and dreams, but they're relatable. It's universal. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, could you, could you imagine the kind of pressure that it would put on top of, like, I think social situations when you're going into somewhere, something, you know, where you don't know anyone, that's already horrible. But then the additional pressure of everyone suddenly expecting you to be this perfect person because they've then built you up like, oh, you're pretty, so you must be like amazing, you must be so popular, you must be so engaging. It would add on such an extra layer of like pressure. I agree. I agree. Like Mm. life is hard enough and high school being two people that have gone through this, we know how hard that can be just in general, but then having all these additional expectations thrown on top of you for no reason other than you look a certain way or you do a certain thing like it's a lot so Mm. yeah you you feel for these young kids because they're just kids like they're just high school kids you know they're 16 years old or whatever so they're they're not equipped to handle all of these things at the moment you're seeing it play out in real time here and there's this cute moment where they're they're having these discussions Tardino misreads the situation and he thinks that uh, Comey started to cry, but she's in fact got hiccups, which they're the yes, cutest little hiccup sound ever. so cute. Yeah, but gentleman Tardino pulls out his handkerchief and he's like, here you go, Comey, like you need this. And then she's like, no, nah, just hiccups. So <laughs> yeah, he uh, he misread that situation. He's, uh, he's reading the room is very intermittent. But it then is, isn't it? <laughs> you get Comey in this moment again where she's writing on the chalkboard, pouring out her feelings and thoughts. And she's constantly apologizing to Tardino for causing him all this trouble and Mm. sorry for keeping you. This isn't your problem. And there's this moment here where she picks up the eraser and the way it's animated and just seeing how they can animate this old chalkboard eraser, getting rid of all this text. And I guess all this sweet dialogue that's happened, it's stunning in this, in this moment, she wipes away the sorry for keeping you. It isn't your problem. And she writes goodbye, wipes away the goodbye, attempts to leave the room. And then Tardino, going right back to the start where you see her clench her fist, build up the courage to get into class. You see Tardino do that exact same thing, 
clenches his fist, steps forward and starts riding on the board and, and you know, initiating, even though, yeah, small talk. I think, I think small talk's a relative term. Like all talk can be big talk. It depends on the context and who you're with. Yeah. And yeah. he just starts riding, you know, to get her to come back in. How's the weather today? What do you think? Yeah. And they both take a deep breath and they start just writing their stories and responses all over this beautiful chalkboard, like end to end, just covered in discussion. And that moment there got me. And I cry a lot when I watch things. And this part was where it got me in because I'm just like, got the teary eyed. It was the happy tears. Or I'm just like, all right, I'm in. I love you too. This is wholesome and I'm all for it. I thought it was really cute too, because one thing that I thought was really beautiful is they're people who are always worried about the other and they're always concerned about being an inconvenience to the other, but it really just does show you where their heart is, you know, like sometimes it's not that they're just insecure of like, oh, they're going to hate me. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to hold you up. I know you might have other things to do. I don't want to be taking up, you know what I mean? Like it's, some of it is that little bit of self-deprecation, those horrible little inner thoughts that you really should quelch. But then the other side of it is that they're just like, well, I don't, I I don't want to be overstaying my welcome. I don't want to be, you know. And so then that moment of the clenching the fist, taking the breath. And it's then like, I thought it was done at such a good spot. And then yes, it did go into um, some pretty surface level chit chat about the weather. But I think the big thing was that's the easy point to end a conversation when that topic has come to a close. And one of the hardest things that I find as well, once you've done that, the hardest thing is opening a new dialogue and moving on to something new, even if it is as simple as the weather. Because I know that for me, that's usually when I go, I'm just going to go grab another coffee or I'm going to go to the bathroom, you know, like, because I freak out at that. If I'm then going, crap, this is a segue. That's when I usually then excuse myself from a conversation so that I don't need to do that. So like, I really noticed that. And I thought it was so beautiful the way that they did do the fist, the fist thing as well. I thought it was really, really nice mirrored there. Yeah, it was, it was very, very well done. And and I think you nailed it there. Like that small talk, that's the springboard where you either, you know, you dive in and, and you sink to the bottom or you dive in and you swim from there. So mm. yeah, they, they take this small talk as the baseline and just the way, like this is my favorite scene or moment in the entire episode because it's so beautifully animated. The way they frame it, where they mix in between like a bit of a wider shot where you can see the entire chalkboard and just this whole story playing out and they're overlaying in Tardino sort of voicing some of this stuff where he's like, oh, in these moments, like I learned that um, that Comey loves cats and her yeah. dreams to make 100 friends and all this stuff. But they also overlay this really, really, really beautiful piano and string accompaniment piece of music. And, and I obsess over piano. And the way that just adds more weight to this little quiet moment where these just two people are having a conversation without saying a word, I'm just like, man, this is this is beautiful. This is art playing out right in front of me and I'm here for it. Mm. And then we get this cherry on top of this delicious Sunday where, yeah, they're, they're having this exchange and dialogue and Tardino realizes that, yeah, Comey wants to make a hundred friends. And then he writes on the board and this part fucked me up again, where he's like, then you only have 99 left because you just made one. And I'm just like, but then he freaks out. Yeah. I'm dead. 
I know it was so beautiful and it was so relatable as well because he's there like, well, you've only got 99 to go. Then he kind of realizes what he said and he's like, shit, I don't mean to be presumptuous. That's only if you want to be my friend. I don't want to assume that you're my, you know, and I'm just there like, yeah, yeah, that's probably not something I would vocalize, but that's absolutely what would be happening in my brain. Yes. (laughs) It's, It's so sweet. And I think we've all had that moment where we've spoken without thinking before good, bad, or otherwise, then you realize what you've said and you're like, shit, how can I backpedal out of this for whatever reason? Or I've just ruined this situation or made mm. them feel something that I didn't intend. And we it focuses again on this tight shot and you can see her hands, they're sort of shaking. She's a little bit shocked as to what's happening. She yeah. thanks him and she's blushing. You can see that this has made her feel really uncomfortable. And she flees the scene again, like she's gone <laughs> out of there like the road runner. And then we get a bit more voiceover from uh, Tardano where he's like, and so that's how my unusual high school life begins. My goal is to help Comey who can't communicate, make 99 more friends. And you're like, man, I love you, dude. And I love you, Comey. And this is just some wholesome stuff. And it's so funny. Like you see that he's done this complete 180 from what he wanted. He didn't want to talk to people. He didn't want to make friends. He wanted to just blend in. Whereas now he has found someone he knows that they struggle so he's willing to give up his entire outlook on high school and he's willing to set that aside and put himself out of his comfort zone because he's helping someone else and I think that's really really cool yeah I think so too it's it's admirable that he on the first day of school has pivoted from his entire life's goal as far as yeah I'm just gonna blend in I'm gonna mm-hmm. make it through these next few years and now he's like you know what I'm gonna help this girl she's special we're going to get her to 100 friends during this yeah. uh, period. And then we we get another really great piece of narration here from from the, the, the female narrator and we get a lot more context as far as what's happening. She talks about extreme social anxiety, aka social phobia. Mm-hmm. And I love that, like we've talked about it a few times here, but it just subtly hammers home these points where you're like, man, I understand more as to why people might react in an anime or in real life in these situations and you can start to relate or empathize with these characters more and it's just i love subtle storytelling and i love when they're not disrespecting our time or thinking we're idiots because we won't understand it but if they can add just these little little kernels of info here and then you're like man this hits so much more differently now they do and honestly um when so i was watching with my boys um who were 9 and 11 so they're both in school and i felt that it was really good conversation starters on things like social anxiety and just like the way that you like you can say something to someone but you really don't know what's going on in their brain you might think that someone is is thinking this about you but they might not be at all you know and I felt like it was yeah it had some really good conversation starters for children in my opinion um so I really liked that yeah it's it's sweet and yeah conversation start is perfect it it opens up these topics or these thought processes for people young and old, because this is Mm. eternally relatable, whether you're in school, in high school, at work, in a retirement home, like these social anxieties can follow people from birth to death to be a little bit morbid. Like it is, it is something that people can deal with every single day. So seeing it play out in this environment, even though it is a high school and we've all finished high school, well, us (laughs) two on here and some of the listeners probably, Uh, it's still relatable. It's timeless advice and timeless wording. And it's interesting because from here, 
it gives us the opening that we didn't get. So we get the, yes. the opening as the ending there. But what they've done with this OLM, uh, as far as the production company, they give us sort of like three separate endings. They give us an ending, they a little do. piece, another ending, little piece. So And then they give you like the extra bit at the end. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I'm all for. Like more anime yeah. need to do that. But then also like a Netflix, a Crunchyroll or whatever, make sure that when you click next episode, it doesn't cut those extra bits out because there's some cool little nuggets in there. It can be nothing, but it can be funny or sad or happy. And yeah. so, yeah, we get we get the opening that becomes the standard after episode one and it's gorgeously animated. Uh, they use a ton of different animation styles, a really cool like watercolory palette with the mm. characters and they, we get a bit of context as far as some focus on certain supporting characters that we meet along the way. and But the constant is, is Tardano and, and Comey in this intro. And, and it's yeah. cute. And it sort of makes you wonder, like, what's going to happen? Is it going to be a romance? Is it just going to be platonic? Where is it going to go? Like, I'm happy for them to stay as best friends. Or if they mm. become boyfriend and girlfriend, I'm also happy. Like, I love love. Yeah. And either way it goes, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's so cute and without giving away too much. Yeah, they do really then at the end they kind of explain about the school being full of odd people because he's like, yes, we're going to make 100 friends for Komi. That's not going to be hard at all because she's the most popular girl in school. And then you do kind of get that narrator coming in and being there like, hmm, maybe not as easy as you think, mate. Yeah, jokes maybe on not. you, Tardano. You know yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That wouldn't be good for the plot, no, you know? <laughs> that's it. So so I like that they've sort of laid the foundation for things to come where you're like, man, who are we going to meet? What is going to happen? What hijinks are going to come our way? Yeah, and you do get that ah uh, moment of that's why there was a ninja in class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that sort of penny drop moment there. And there's there's a cute moment because, yeah, we, we get a, you know, the next day and we've got another monologue from Tardano and you can start to see... I reckon there's some feelings creeping in pretty quickly here from Tardano oh, because he's talking Tardino about, you know. Tardano is instant. <laughs> and I can see why. Like, she, she's a beautiful character inside and out. And, but there's some commentary where he's like, the world is smitten. She's the most beautiful human I've ever laid eyes on. Her skin is fair. Her eyes are almond-shaped and big. Her hair is smooth and silky. She smells good. She's just so bright. But the he's bright smitten. part is the cutest part of the whole thing where yeah. if you tell somebody, like, you're bright, like, you just brighten up my day like a beacon of hope you're just like man that's that's some purity right there oh that is cute can't relate people don't say that about me <laughs> i'm just yeah look can't relate but sounds beautiful i'm sure it would feel lovely yeah it's lo- love love is beautiful whether whether it's that <laughs> high school romance or, or maybe some middle-aged romance or whether we're just old curmudgeons that don't believe in it it's it's good times <laughs> so keep that heart open so we get that part, moment there they're walking to class. Tardano's given her a bit of a pep talk in this sort of post-credit stinger about, you know, we need to help you find your voice so you can start yeah. making all these friends. And we get one of these other little cat references here. You see a little cat ears prick up where he's like, we're going to get you these friends in no time at all. Don't worry. But then he's like, you need to practice sort of introducing yourself. And then she turns to stone in this <laughs> moment, which just made me crackle or cackle, I should say, again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah, it's done so well. It's very, very cute. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's um just before we get the final, before the ending again. Yeah. She, she's building up. She's de-stoned herself 
and it's really tightly framed just around sort of her chin and her mouth. And you're like, oh, she's going to talk. Is she going to talk? She's building herself up to say something. And she makes this cute little noise, like very yes. meek, like a little, almost like a little mouse. Little- Cuts to credits. <laughs> and then we get this really beautiful piano track in the ending where I'm just like, yep, I'm in. I'm all aboard this ride. I love this anime. I cannot wait to watch more of it. Yeah. See, interestingly enough, I felt that it was episode two that really kind of hooked me. That first one, I was like, yeah, this is cute. I can see where it's going to go. I think that it could be very interesting because of the way they had set it up. But admittedly, I wasn't sold yet on the first episode. Yeah. It was more as we started getting introduced into the more oddball characters that I started really going, yeah, okay. Yeah. I think I'll watch this whole season. And and then little nods, again, I'm not going to spoil anything beyond season, uh, the episode one, but I think that there's do so well at little understated one-liners, often by just like extras, I guess you would call them. Like, so in another episode, you know, there's a moment where where um, Todano is kind of following Comey from Comey from afar and like there's this mum and child walking by the street and this child is there like look mum a stalker and she's like yes that is a stalker honey (laughs) just little things like that are just chef's kiss so funny and they do have lots of little moments like that and I think it's yeah they've done very well it it toes the line between comedy and just this sweetness really really well like you said these little nothing lines from throwaway characters that just don't add anything contextually to the overall story but it just makes you react happily Mm -hmm. sadly laughing out loud because yeah that moment i was re-watching last night and yeah that one got me good as well i totally forgot that was there and yeah he's just sort of watching on like advising from afar to make sure Comey's okay. It's mum and daughter like, yeah, that's a stalker, honey. Yeah, "Ah." look, mum, a stalker. Yes, honey, it is. (laughs) It's so good. And and I think that's the tough part, like, with the way this podcast is structured is typically there's like an unwritten rule in anime where it's like you you give it three episodes and if it hasn't found its footing by episode three, you park it or whatever else. So because we're only focusing on episode one, it's tough a lot of the time to have the dream sold within 20 odd minutes, but I'm happy that it sold you enough to watch more at least. So I felt that it, it really did a great job in setting it up. They set the scene enough to intrigue me. And then from there you start getting a bit more of the taste of the different characters that they're going to introduce. And yeah, so after like episode two, episode three, thereabouts, like I was like, yeah, this is funny. Um, and I have watched them all a couple of times because my kids got involved as well. And then Love they were they were like, I but mum, we're not up to this episode. We need to watch episode, <laughs> we need to watch episode two. And so like I've seen a couple of them, yeah, a few times each but um i i think it was a winner definitely i love that i love that because yeah it's definitely a winner for me like i i've watched both seasons which now Mm -hmm. weirdly on netflix they've sort of just combined it into one season on netflix which i don't understand why but those those 24 episodes are available ready to roll on netflix now there's a sub there's a dub so depending on how you want to consume it that is perfectly fine there ain't no judgment here if you want to watch the dub as opposed to the sub like you do you boo. Uh, like confession all is i watched the dub i i watched the dub too because it's it's easier to sort of maintain attention on the whole screen because sometimes with the subtract you'll be hyper focused on the wording and you might miss something in a corner of the shot so dub uh, can work look, well 
I just don't have the attention span to (laughs) stare straight at the TV for that long. I'll end up doing something else, whether I'm like scrolling on my phone or whether I'm doing the laundry or something. So I'm not always like focused 100% on the screen. So yeah, yeah, I did the dubbed. (laughs) Zero judgment here, zero judgment here. But it's nice to know like... It would be at this point I'd typically ask, you know, will you continue to watch? Well, clearly, yes. You, you're working your way through it. You're up to episode five now. You, you're understanding yep. the world and the characters and it's hooked you. And, and I hope you continue with uh, this first and second season because it's just beautiful stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely keen to see where it goes. I think that there's so much potential for some really interesting things, for some really, I feel like it'll be quite validating as well, being someone with social anxiety. Um, You know, when you just start to see your experiences being played out on the screen as, like, admittedly, yes, they then, you know, they take it to the nth degree, you know, but that's, entertainment for you isn't it so it's really it's really nice being able to watch other people experiencing the same kind of emotions the same kind of fears insecurities that you deal with as well or that you have dealt with it's really nice seeing that played out and seeing it played out in a positive way where they are then finding someone that they connect with you know I think it's I think it is really beautiful um and some really funny moments so yeah I'm I'm keen to watch it I think that's perfectly said like the the respect that they show towards social anxiety and people in these moments like they don't unnecessarily poke fun they're not being rude or disrespectful like I really appreciate what uh, Watanabe, the director, is who who sort of was helming this season, did as far as the the way the shots are framed. And Deiko Akayo, who wrote it, she did really well with the source material. And I like that there was respect and care shown to something sensitive like this. But listeners, if you are still on the fence about Komi Can't Communicate, some of the the main equivalents or comparative animes that like, if you like this, you will enjoy that. From my anime list, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, The Disastrous Life of Saki K, Kimi no Tadoke, From Me to You, and Bocchi the Rock. If you have consumed any of those anime and you really loved it, there's also a very high chance you're going to love Komi Can't Communicate because it is adorable, it is heartfelt, it is honest, and it is endearing. So yeah, I, I love Komi. It's one of my favorite anime that I've watched in the last few years and I can't wait for a season three touch wood to make its way to the airwaves very soon but Ray we're going to move into the last word presented by our friends over at Japan Crate experience Japan through snacks and knickknacks via monthly package drops courtesy of japancrate.com while you're there be sure to use code 8bit15 at checkout to get yourself 15% off and free shipping anywhere on planet earth so Ray what is your last word or words regarding Comey can't communicate Oh, watch it? Yes. Question mark. If you're someone with if you're someone with social anxiety, if you're someone who also you need to be able to have a little bit of a sense of humor about it because yes, they are very respectful, but they do laugh and joke about it and it it I like that. That's that's my kind of thing. So, yeah, I think 
if any of it resonates with you, then just watch it. It's nice and validating, to be honest. Um, and it's nice to know as someone who can come off as a little bit prickly, as someone who can come off as a bit abrasive, it's really nice to know that, you know, it, it's it's not just me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all lies. Like there's been no prickliness or abrasiveness here. You are <laughs> as sweet as can be. So don't you listen to those haters out there, Ray. You are a delight. <laughs> But yeah, I will say as far as my last word, like Ray said, watch it with a question mark. I'm saying watch it with like double exclamation points. You throw mm. that question mark away and you watch it because it is adorable and it's on Netflix. So yeah, if you yeah. don't have the usual anime subs, don't worry because uh, it's, it's on Netflix, ready to rock and roll. And yeah, I hope we get a third season very soon. But uh, Ray, thank you so, so much for joining me here. I hope uh, your first podcasting experience was a good one. Yeah, look, it was good. Thank you for having me. Sorry for my dog um, causing a smidge of chaos. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was fun. I hope that people enjoyed the episode. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And where can people find and enjoy you and all your fantastic content? Shout out oh. what you got coming up, what you can uh, – Disclose or not disclose, the floor is yours. Oh, look, to be honest, I don't have any major products in the pipeline at the moment. Um, typically, you'll find me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Ray J R A E J A Y Y. I jump on pretty much couple times a fortnight. I'm not on all that often. Look, so I sit and I scroll through Reddit and we just judge people. We judge assholes. We read the, am I the assholes? We read the um, like toxic relationship stuff. And we just sit there and we just tear people, strangers on internets to shreds because it makes us feel better about ourselves as people. And it gives us something to talk about, you know? So that's the easiest place to find me. Other than that, I'm on socials. I'm obnoxious over on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, the handle there is Rach Morgan, R-A-E-J-M-O-R-G-A-N. <laughs> I was that. like, how do I spell we my name? That. That's how you spell it. That's how you spell it. So, yeah, R-A-E-J-M-O-R-G-A-N on them socials. Be sure to follow Ray on all of those platforms. She's dropping some fantastic content on the semi-regular and she's just a, just a funny, enjoyable, entertaining follow on them socials because she gets real and we need some realness. <laughs> we need some realness. You can follow me at more than Senpai. You can follow 8-Bit as a whole at we are 8 bit If you want to get some merch, head over to shop8bit.net for the best merchandise in the game. But be sure to rate, view, subscribe this podcast and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular. Those ratings and reviews keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. They take no time, cost no money, and it's just good karma. So pay it forward to those content creators making things for free for you. So it's the least you can do. But listeners, whether your anime be subbed, dubbed, or still yet to come, enjoy yourself, stay hungry, and much love to all of the gorgeous waifus out there. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. 